If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Just a few verses from Matthew chapter 16 for my text this morning. So if you'll look with me here, I want to begin reading with verse 15. This is probably not an unfamiliar portion of Scripture to most of you. I want you to listen very attentively, if you would, as you follow along in your Bible as I read from mine, because I find this to be a very important portion of God's Word. As the Lord would speak to us, I trust we'll all come to that conclusion before our time together is over this morning. Matthew chapter 16, let me begin with verse, uh, let me begin with verse 13. Verse 13. Matthew writes, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me repeat Peter's response. As some of you are well aware, Peter often would speak up ahead of others in the group and respond. And that being the case here, Peter answered and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Well, let's bow our hearts before the Lord if we could and ask God's blessing on our time together here this morning. Our Father, as we bow before you now, we acknowledge that our need is great. I need to hear you speak. Lord, we, we are not here to hear what man has to say. For that means nothing to us. But Lord, we are here to hear what you have to say. Lord, would you be pleased to speak to us today? For we have a need, a need to hear from you, Lord. Oh, Father, speak to us. 
Speak to our hearts. Give us hearing hearts. Let us hear from you, Lord. Your word, O God, is that which we seek to live by. As Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. O Father, grant us the grace to hear and to live by the word of God. So speak, Lord. Speak to us today. We commit this time to you, Lord. It's your time to speak to us, and we, we acknowledge that. So speak, if it please you, to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to speak today, God willing, upon the definite, the definite Christ of God. The definite Christ of God. Well, the account in which my text is found here in Matthew, it can be found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, as some of you are aware. Now, the Synoptic Gospels, if any of you don't know what the Synoptic Gospels are, the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Synoptic meaning they simply cover basically all the same material. Uh, John being a little bit different, covers a lot of material that the other three do not. And, of course, the other three are also covering some things that John doesn't cover. John probably covers more of the information that deals with the deity of the Lord Jesus than the others do. But uh, nevertheless, the, all three of the synoptic Gospels uh, give us this basic same information that we just read here in Matthew now, Mark, being the young man in the group, uh, as a lot of young men tend to be, is always in a hurry, it seems. And, uh, and that's evident by the fact that the gospel, according to Mark, is considerably shorter than the other gospels. Uh, and uh, he gets right to the point in what he has to say. He doesn't uh, go into a whole lot of detail very often in his account in the gospels. And so Mark's response as to what Peter says is simply, uh, Lord, uh, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. That's what he says. But then we come to Luke. Now, Luke being a physician, Luke being a doctor, is obviously a little more concerned about details than Mark was. And so his response was a little more detailed. And Luke says, the Christ of God the Christ of God. But uh, I really like Matthew's account as we just read it here a few minutes ago. I believe the Spirit of God moved in Matthew's heart to record what I believe was uh, the fuller, more complete answer that Peter gave to Jesus' question of who do you say that I am? Peter if you notice there, uh, used three definite articles uh, uh, to declare positively, undoubtedly, and unquestionably that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
I like that because it's important, I think, that we understand and that we see that that's exactly who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I want us to look just a little bit further for just a few minutes here at this uh, 16th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, I think it will help us understand a little bit more about why it's so important that we understand uh, the importance of Peter's response to the question of the Lord Jesus here in these few verses that we read from the 16th chapter here uh, in response to Jesus' question in regard to who he was. Would, Would you look with me just at verse 24 for just a moment? Verse 24 of this same chapter. Here Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, that simply means if any man would be my disciple, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If any man will come after me or be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now I'm sure that those of you who are believers uh, have noticed that uh, the flesh, the old man, uh, doesn't necessarily like to deny itself, does it? I certainly have found that to be true in my life. Uh, I don't like to deny myself. It's just not something I want to do, naturally speaking. Uh, But yet Jesus said here very plainly, if any man wants to be my disciple or if any man wants to come after me, that's something that he must do. He must deny himself. Uh, And yet we find that so hard to do, don't we? Such a difficulty. I'll never forget uh, that next part there where it says you also must take up his cross. Uh, that that means he's got to die to self. He's got to recognize that that he's got to die. That old man has to die. He's uh, got to re- realize that when Christ went to the cross, you know, when we believe on the Lord Jesus, that our old nature went to the cross with him, died with him, and we got to reckon ourselves, as Paul says in Romans. So we've got to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus. Uh, but I'll never forget, and I've shared this with you before, I'll never forget Grace's dad time and time again. Uh, and, and, and Grace, I can see him. I can see him just as sure as if he were sitting here in this room with us now, sitting there telling me, and I can just see him saying, Wayne, you turn his head kind of the side. Wayne, the flesh dies hard. The flesh dies hard. And it does. It does. That old man just does not want to die. And 
and it's hard, it's difficult. And yet, and yet it's not an option. It's not optional for the, for the believer. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to die in order to follow the Lord Jesus. And following Jesus is not optional if you're a believer. It's commanded. It's commanded. Do you remember when uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew were out uh, working with their nets for fishing and Jesus came walking along the beach and he saw them and he said to them, follow me. You remember what happened? They immediately dropped what they were doing and followed. They obeyed. They did what he said. That's an example to us. That's an example. That's not just put there to fill in some space on the page in our Bible. That's an example to us. Follow me is a command. When Christ speaks, he expects us to do it. He expects us to do it. And to do that, one must deny self. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. Their livelihood depended upon fishing. And yet, they had to deny themselves, didn't they? They had to deny themselves. What are they going to do? What are they going to do for a living? Well, they had to trust the Lord, didn't they? They had to trust the Lord. Had to die to sell because the Lord said, Follow me. Follow me. Well, are you are you following Christ as a believer? As one who calls himself a believer, a Christian, are you following Christ? Now then let me ask you another question. And this may seem like a strange question to you. Which Christ are you following? Which Christ are you following? Which Christ are you trusting? Now I know, I know some of you are thinking, what do you mean? Isn't there only one Christ? Well, There is only one Christ of God that we're reading about here. But make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. There have been and are now many Christs. Many Christs. Uh, We clearly learn from the Scripture. Even here in the Gospel of Matthew, if you you want to go ahead and turn with me, we'll, we'll come back to this maybe in a little bit. Go ahead and turn with me now to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Listen to, listen to the Lord Jesus himself here in Matthew chapter 24. If you, if you question what I'm saying when I say that there are many Christ's, Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what he says. Matthew chapter 24, verse 5. Jesus said, For many 
shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Verse 23 and 24, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible. If it were possible. These false prophets who are preaching a false Christ would deceive even God's elect. Even those that God said his love poem from before the foundation of the world. If it were possible, even they would be deceived. So which Christ are you following? There's lots of false Christ. I tell you what, saddens me, saddens me today when I hear some preachers, if you can even call them that, call themselves preachers of the gospel, saddens me, burdens my heart when I hear them preaching, talking about a Christ who doesn't square up at all with what I read here in God's Word about the Christ of God. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard them yourself, haven't you? It's commonplace. Churches all over having pastors, shepherds, preachers who are not preaching the Christ of God. Deceiving false prophets, false preachers who are deceiving multitudes, leading them astray. Not preaching the Christ of God. Oh, how burdened we ought to be, how we ought to be praying. Well, let's define this title that we find, the Christ. What really, what really is this? What is, the, what is the Christ? What does it mean? This one that Peter describes uh, Jesus to be the Christ of God. Well, Christ, the word Christ means anointed, uh, the anointed one, and it corresponds to the Messiah of the Old Testament, the Messiah of the Old Testament. And the Messiah uh, is that one that God promised to be the uh, deliverer of his people or their Savior uh, from that that which was their, their oppressor or that which kept them in bondage. Well, the Jews, of course, looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, but they misunderstood altogether what God had promised, didn't they? They were looking forward to someone that would come and deliver them from uh, a bondage to whether it be the Egyptians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians or or the Romans, but that's not what God really meant, did he? God was talking about someone that would come to deliver from spiritual bondage, from spiritual bondage. And so God sent 
Jesus Christ. God became a man, and Christ came into the world. Messiah came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament word for Messiah. And what did he do? He went to the cross. Went to the cross in order that he might deliver God's people from bondage to sin. Oh, that's the Christ of God that we're talking about here. That's who he is. And so Peter, Peter is talking about the anointed one of God. And this is the Christ that we must follow and the Christ that we must trust and put our confidence in. Just how imperative is it that we follow and trust the Christ of God? How essential is it? Well, remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. We've been talking about this, haven't we, Carolyn? Romans chapter 1, verse 16, down in the Bible study with the folks down there. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right? Well, right into the Corinthians. Let's turn there to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Keeping in mind, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Power of God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 now. Verses 1 through 3. Here Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Same gospel. Same gospel Paul talked about in Romans chapter 1. He says, The power of God unto salvation. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he brings this letter to a close over in chapter 16, verse 22, by saying this, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha, or a curse. May, may there be a curse quickly come upon him to take vengeance. Anathema maranatha. It's only the gospel of the Christ of God that is the power of God unto salvation. All right? And Paul warns the Galatians about any other gospel, doesn't he? Any other gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. What a warning he gives. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you 
than that which we have preached unto you. What's he say? Let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Now what he was saying back there in his letter to the Corinthians, same thing. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Make no mistake about it. Any other gospel, as Paul makes clear, any other gospel, these other gospels proclaimed by false prophets or preachers who encourage men to follow and trust some other Christ who is not the Christ of God, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Remember I said a little bit earlier, as Jesus said, there have been and are now many Christs, many Christs. Isn't that what Jesus said there in Matthew 24? Matthew chapter 24. He said there have been and there will be many other Christs. False prophets, he said, would arise preaching false Christs. Made that very clear. Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 24, Paul spoke of, spoke of such false prophets in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verses 13 through 15. Paul said, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no thing, no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. His concerns, Paul's concerns for these Corinthians was made known just a little bit earlier here in chapter 11 when he says to them in verses 3 and 4, he says, I fear, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He was fearful that they be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And he said, for if that, if he that comes preaching another Jesus whom you have not, we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which, which you have not received or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well, well bear with him. Oh, Paul was concerned, concerned that they might listen to the wrong thing and hear the wrong thing and accept the wrong thing. He was burdened for them because he knew that there were false prophets, false preachers proclaiming a false Christ. John, the Apostle John, he spoke of these false prophets and these false Christs. Remember what he called them? Remember what he called them? Antichrists. Antichrists. Those who were against Christ. Against Christ. In 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. In verse 18.
First John chapter 2 and verse 18, John says, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, he said, there are many. There are many Antichrists. Not just one. Many Antichrists, whereby we know that it's the last time. Well, we've been living in the last time for a long time, haven't we? A long time. Because of, there have been all of those who have been against Christ. Against Christ for years and years and years. Well, how careful we need to be. How well, we need to be cautioned that we not listen to the wrong ones, the wrong preachers. We need to stay in the Word, don't we? We need to be in the Word ourselves. How, how, do, we, how do we know what's right, what's wrong? You remember when Paul preached how, how he commended the Bereans? He commended the Bereans who listened to him. You remember what he said? He commended them why? Because they didn't swallow hook, line, and sinker everything that he preached to them. What did they do? They went and searched the Scriptures diligently to see if what he said was right. They searched the Scriptures themselves. Is that what you do? When you come to church and you hear me preach, do you go home and search the Scripture yourself to see if what I told you is true? You should. I wouldn't intentionally mislead you or lie to you at all. But you need to take what I say and you need to go home and you need to search the Scripture. You need to be diligent in searching God's Word to make sure that what you heard is what is truly in God's Word. Truly in God's Word. Paul commended those Bereans. And my, that was the Apostle Paul's preaching. That was his preaching. Well, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul spoke of the Antichrist, and he called him the man of lawlessness or the man of sin. Only John, only John called him by the name Antichrist. And he did it quite frequently in his letters. Chapter 2, verse 18, verse 22, chapter 4, verse 3. He did it in 2 John, chapter, uh, verse 7. Very simply, very simply, Antichrist is any person or force that opposes Christ and his church. That's what Antichrist is. Any person or any force that opposes Christ and his church. That would be those that Paul warned the Corinthians of back there in 2 Corinthians 11 that we read about a few moments ago. Or those that Paul warned the Thessalonians about that he called the, the man of sin or the man of lawlessness. And Jesus made it clear when he said in chapter 11 of Luke, verse 23, he that is not with me is against me. Those are strong words, folks. Those are words from the Lord Jesus. He that is not with me is against me. Think about it. That's Jesus speaking. He that is not with me is against me. If you want to see that, that's Luke chapter 11 and verse 23. 
He that is not with me is against me. You are either following and trusting the Christ of God or you are in opposition to him. And know what Jesus is saying? You are either following and trusting the Christ, the Son of the living God, or you are in opposition to him. Strong words, but true, but true according to Jesus. Look with me again, please, at our text in Matthew chapter 16. Chapter 16 of Matthew. Let me read beginning with verse 15 again. For Jesus asked, Who say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And this same thing that Jesus just said there to, to Peter in verse 17 is true of every true believer. It has to be revealed our Father has to be revealed to us, doesn't it? Flesh and blood is not going to do it. God may use, God may use another man through His Word to reveal the truth to you, but it's God who does the revealing. Man alone. He's not going to be able to reveal that to you. You remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus when he met with him? Nicodemus was a religious leader among the Jews. Oh, he knew the Old Testament scriptures, didn't he? As a Pharisee, a religious leader. And yet he met with Jesus, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, unless you're born from above, unless the Spirit of God gives you life, quickens you, gives you spiritual life, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. And if you can't see the kingdom of God, you certainly will not see the king. That's the Christ of God. If you can't see the kingdom you will not see the king. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul makes it very clear as he writes to these folks in Corinth. Chapter 2, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter two and verse excuse me. Second 
First Corinthians chapter two. Verse fourteen. Paul said, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man. That's who we are as we are when we come into this world. Dead to God. No spiritual life. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. You've got to have spiritual life to understand spiritual things. Natural man does not have spiritual life. Therefore cannot receive, cannot know, cannot understand spiritual things. Oh, if we turn on over now to Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. You see the problem spelled out rather clearly here in Second Corinthians. Chapter four, beginning with verse three. Paul says, if our gospel, that's the good news about who Christ is, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, the lost, the lost are natural men, those that are still dead to God, not having spiritual life. If our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says, for those of us who have been given life, God has shined in our hearts to give the knowledge of Christ, who he is and what he's done. Oh, but if God hasn't done that, then Satan has you blinded. Blinded. You can't see. You can't see. Well, God alone, God alone revealed Christ to us. And when he does, when he does, we will bow to him as the Lord of our lives and trust Him. Trust Him as our only hope of salvation from sin, our Savior. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to wrap this up here in just a minute. Philippians chapter 2. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 2. Verse 9 and following. Well, let me just back up a little to verse 5, where Paul says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, wherefore God also highly exalted him and has given him a name. King James says, given him a name. Well, this is one of those places where King James sadly missed it rather bad. I hate to admit that. I've loved the King James, grew up with it. Most of the scripture I've memorized is right here in King James. But this is one of the places where they missed it, where it says that God gave him a name. That's not the original. God didn't give him a name. God gave him the name. The name, a definite article again. God gave him the name, which is above every name. God gave him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name that God gave him, the name that God gave him is the name, the personal name of God himself. It's the name of who he always has been to begin with. It's who he is, who he has been, and who he always will be. You remember when Moses was down in Egypt and he was about to go back down to deliver the children of Israel? God had told him to go and deliver them. Moses said, well, who who am I going to tell them sent me down here to do this? And God told them, well, I am that I am. That's who you tell them. Tell them, I am that I am sent you. That's God's name. That's Yahweh. Yahweh, the eternally self-existent God. That's That's the name that God gave Jesus here. Lord, Lord the eternally self-existent one. That's who he always has been. He always has been. He is the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Christ of God's true name. To him, men will one day bow down, submit and bow down. It's interesting. I wish we had time. It's interesting to see how often in the New Testament scriptures Jesus actually applied this name to himself. Uh, In the Gospel of John, it's so frequent. If we had time, we'd look at several references in the Gospel of John where we find Jesus applying the name I am to himself. But we'll not take the time to do that today. But uh, so often, like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. Time and again, we find Jesus using that name, applying it to himself. Well, to him we must bow down. To him we must submit. To him we must yield our lives. For he alone can save us. He alone can deliver us from our sin. He alone can can be everything that we need in this life and in the life to come. He is the Christ that we must follow. And so which Christ are you following? Which Christ are you trusting? Are you trusting the Christ of the Son of the living God? 
That's the one we must trust. Any other Christ, any other Christ is a false Christ. Trust the Christ of God. May, God's, may God help you to see and to understand that he is the one we must trust. Let's bow together in prayer.